So open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. I love the way that the Bible always uses these racing metaphors to describe life. And Paul even tells us in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So much about life is about running and not quitting. It's easy to quit, especially when life gets confusing. Very easy. I'm an avid runner, and Pastor Ron, stand up Pastor Ron, you know, he's an avid runner as well, and he was telling me about one of the races that he ran in, thank you, you know, here in Rockaway several years ago. It was in the trails. So imagine carved out spaces in the woods where one would run. And it just so happened that some mischievous kids, the night before the race, they went into the woods and moved all the markers so that people, when they actually, when the race came and you're running the race, people were getting lost in the woods because the kids came the night before. So they had to stop the race. And so when Pastor Ron told me about that, because he, he was in that race, I laughed because, I laughed because, not because of all the hard work, every, every runner prepared in order to run. I laughed because <laughs> I know I would have been like one of those kids, <laughs> mixing people up and just perched in a tree laughing at what happened to them. But life is much like a race. And for some of you, you got turned around and you feel lost. Well, fortunately, the Bible gives us a roadmap as to when we enter into 2020, there's certain things we must do if we're going to run the race and keep running. Verse 1 of Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Stop there. What are some resolutions you can make in keeping with the Bible that can help you not to stop and to keep running in the race of life? Might I suggest from the text there are three resolutions and these are the ones I'm committed to. As I look into 2020, perhaps you join me in that commitment. First resolution is run your own race. There's a phrase in the world of running. When you read magazines like Runner's World, you'll find that they always say, run your own race. I was running in a half marathon several years ago in a city in Pennsylvania called Bird in Hand. I thought it was a joke, but when I went there, it's actually a city named Bird in Hand. A half marathon is 13.1 miles. 
And before the race began, the host on the megaphone says, runners, line up based on your pace. So I got not in the front, not in the back, but somewhere about maybe a third of the pack from the front. And when I looked to my left and right, I, I, I saw some people and they didn't look fast. Now, I don't consider myself fast, but I look faster than them. That's what I thought. And when they shot the gun off, I haven't seen them since. <laughs> I mean, they, they just, they blew right by me and, and, and that was it. What I learned once again is this. Run your own race. Scripture says, run with perseverance, steadfastness, continuity, a systematized pace. Run your own race, and it says run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. God marked out a race for you. Your pace is different than my pace. My pace is different from your pace. Don't be distracted because you are looking at other people who are running faster than you are or slower than you are. You have to run your own race. In 2000, I think it was around 2009 or so, Pastor Ron and I, we flew up to Buffalo because we wanted to run in a half marathon. So we actually, we're running in the race together, but we're all running, we're both running our individual races. We picked up all of our packs, our, your, your bib, your tag, all the various souvenirs that they give you before the race. And so we're staying in a hotel and we're going to run that uh, particular, the next day. And as we got into the hotel and all these other runners got into the, ele or got into the elevator and the other runners got in the elevator with us, they, they looked at us and, you know, and, and then they had this quizzical look and then they said, are you guys world-class runners and then I'm quick quick with it and I said no we're buffalo class runners <laughs> you know it's just you know, <laughs> we're not at that level we're not at that league we're not there in other words don't get distracted by the race and the pace that you see others are running that are around you there are 7.8 billion people on our planet in year 2019 and all of them are running their race you cannot be distracted by how fast someone else is running you can't be distracted by how slow someone else is running this fella at the gym got into a fist fight with someone on the treadmill he didn't even know the person but he just didn't like the way they ran on the treadmill because they were dancing when they ran on the tree, made it a joke. So he just, he just lost it. He couldn't hold it together. I, I want you to realize, run your own race. The Ethiopian marathon champion, Haile Gebre Selassie said, no race begins at the start line. In other words, you have to realize 
before you even start running, I'm talking about running in your career, running in your marriage, running in your educational goals, running in your spiritual goals. Before you even start running in any of those races, you must then realize the starting line is not when you start your academic goal or start that new career. It doesn't start there. It starts when you recognize God has a race marked out for you. Your gifts tell you what that race is. Your passion, your longings, your aspirations, your interests tells you what that race is. Your longings are different than mine. Your passions are different than mine. Mine are different than yours. It doesn't make one better than the other or worse than the other. They're just different. And so we can't compare one another. We can't compare ourselves with each other because if we do that, it'll be unfair. The same way if, if these singers dared say to me, uh, Pastor, you can't sing. They may be right, but it's not good to compare. It, it, it won't be fair. And so I want you to see that the race that God set out for you, the opportunities that come your way, even the doors that close in your face, those doors help you to understand what God's race is that he set out and marked out for you. So to run effectively, scripture says, you have to throw off the weight that easily besets you. What is the writer of Hebrews talking about? He's talking about runners when they run, they're not running with big, clunky, heavy stuff. You don't run holding on to dumbbells and a barbell and a weighted jacket because when you're running in a race, maybe when you're preparing you can run that way, but not when you're running in a race. You, you just, you, you, you throw off everything. In 2005, I ran in the New York City Marathon. And we gathered underneath the bridge, the Verrazano Bridge. At that time, it was 37,500 people that were running in that race. And it was November. The first Sunday of November is when the New York City Marathon is held. It's cold. And so when you go to the race site, you don't just drive your car. You have to take a bus from whatever parking lots that they assign because you're dealing with almost you know, 40,000 people. Now it's close to 60,000 people. And so when you go there, it's cold. And so you, you're not, the race doesn't just start as soon as you get there. You're there several hours before the race. So you have a jacket on. You have you know, sweatpants on. And you're making sure you're warming up. And half an hour before the race, you start stretching. And they have coffee and they have bagels and stuff to give you energy. And so before the race starts, you file up, you line up based on, again, your own perception of your pace. And so when the race, before the race starts, maybe about 15 minutes now, you're throwing off all that stuff. And so they actually, they actually contract with groups like the Goodwill and other places to help individuals that are, that, that are less privileged to be able to take the clothing that you throw off. So I make sure I'm going there with, with a jacket that I won't need again. I don't want again. Sweatpants I won't want again because I have my running shorts under it. And so I throw off the jacket. I pull off the sweatpants and throw it off to the side. And then somebody will come along and pick up all those garments and give it away to the people that are in need. But what the writer here is telling us is the same thing must happen when you run the race of life. If you're walking around with stuff that you don't need relationships that make you all junked up emotionally, situations that you have not been able to decide over, 
the Bible is teaching us, throw off the weights so you can run in year 2020, the race that God has marked out for you. I don't know about you, I don't want to run with stuff on me that, that's too heavy and I shouldn't be carrying. And so what are the sins that easily beset you or easily tangle you up? Sin weighs on your mind. It affects you when you go to work. It affects you when you come home. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, wait a second, Jesus paid the debt for all of your sins. It doesn't make sense for you to carry them with you into the new year or into the race of life. You don't want to do that. Carrying around sin, it just weighs you down. It makes you just sluggish. It makes you lethargic. It makes you no longer energetic about your goals, your dreams. It makes you passive. It makes you someone that's not willing to fight because of all the distractions when you need to fight. And what the scripture is telling us, that when you repent of your sin, it's like throwing them off and you're saying, Jesus, free me so I can be who you've called me to be and do what you've called me to do and become what you've called me to become because I want to run my own race and I know I can do that through your glory and through your strength. And so I want to urge you, congregation, as we go into year 2020, throw off that weight that's holding you back. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my teaching time to repent of your sins and to say, Jesus, I want to be free so I can be able to do what you've called me to do and to be what you've called me to be. And you may say, well, it sounds so easy. It is Jesus paid your debt, and when you repent, you're accepting his indescribable gift of forgiveness. You don't need to carry on that, carry that weight. It was so easy for me to take off that jacket, so easy for me to take off the sweatpants and throw it on the side. And I didn't sit there and say, I want it. I want it back because it was unnecessary. The same way when you take your garbage out and place it at the curbside and the sanitation truck comes and picks up your garbage. I've never seen anybody chasing the sanitation truck saying, I want my garbage back. Repentance is when you place your spiritual garbage, your emotional garbage, your theological garbage, all that sin, you place it at the curbside and you allow the Holy Spirit to take it away and there are no regrets. So the first resolution that I'm keeping and I'm making is to run my own race come 2020. How about you? I look again at Hebrews 12, this time verse 2. Scripture says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. When I read this text, the resolution I see that emerges from the text is this, stay focused. you got to stay focused in 2020. Too much is at stake. And again, this is the world of running. This is drawing, the writers drawing from the games that happened in that first century where you see runners run. And so scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The author, 
And one translation says, the finisher of your faith. This NIV says, he's the pioneer and he's the perfecter of faith. And so when we run in this race called life, you got to keep focused, looking ahead. What are you looking at? You're not looking at the big personalities in your life. You're not looking at who made more money than you. You're not looking at who's on the ladder above you in terms, of, in terms of the corporate ladder. You're not looking at someone who may be living a more interesting life than you. You're not looking at any of those things. You're not looking at a person who's in a larger house, nicer car. Those things distract. Those things junk up. Jesus is telling us in his word, is you stay focused. How do you stay focused? You look to Jesus, the author and the finish of your faith. It's so critical. I didn't realize how critical this whole piece was about staying focused. It all made sense in that New York City Marathon. I go back to again in year 2005. So many people, 37,500 people running. It took me 15 minutes just to get to the start line. And then as soon as I crossed the start line, and about half mile into this 26.2 mile race, I heard a lot of noise to my left and to my right. <clears throat> and someone or a group have fall, they fell down. And then the people right around me, I saw them turn around to see what happened. And the moment they turned around, they tripped and they fell. And through my peripheral, I can see stretchers coming to take people off. And then the scripture came to life. When Lot's wife in the Old Testament looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah, I learned, don't look back, whatever's going on in the race, don't look back. I don't care what you're hearing, don't look back. You know, and so scripture's telling us the same thing here in Hebrews 12, that you ought to keep your eyes on Jesus. The, he's the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. But so often it's easy to look to the left and to the, look to the right to see what, else, what someone else is doing. Let me try to imitate what that person's doing. Let me emulate that individual over there. Let, let, me, let, let, me, let me stay focused on what they said. Or even in the world of the church, let me try to do what that church is doing. No. You need to get your cues from Jesus and not from the culture or from some popular personality. You need to strive to please Jesus. How do you do that? You stay focused. In 2009, I did... An unthinkable thing. I actually participated in a triathlon. I paid to swim one mile in open water, bike 25 miles, run 6.2 miles, and I did all that saying it was gonna be fun. I paid. And here's the issue. I didn't know how to swim. I had to learn how to swim. So it took me several months to learn how to swim. And so I'm now going, I'm challenging myself. When I get to the race, the race is in Connecticut. So I had to drive a couple of hours up to Bridgeport, Connecticut to get into this triathlon. So when I get there, 
And I see all the runners there, I should say triathletes, it's more than just running. They're all ready to go into the open water. We're, we're going to swim in a Long Island Sound. Now you can't see more than a quarter inch below you. And the Long Island Sound is referred to as brackish water. That means it's a mixture of salt and fresh water. And sometimes sharks come into the Long Island Sound from the Atlantic Ocean. And so I'm up to swimming a mile. I'm scared, but I'm up to it. And so when I get there, all these triathletes, they're ready. They put your number on your left arm, put your number, their, your number on your leg just to make sure they can find you and figure out who you are if something happens. you understand? And so I, <laughs> I got these numbers on me. And when I get there, I see one guy, he's blind. And I realize he's blind because he's tethered to, his, to a friend of his who is sighted. So he has a rope around his waist. And the guy who sees, who's, you know, the rope extends to him and he has a rope around his waist. So the guy who's blind wants to participate in this one mile swim, this 25 mile bike, and then this 6.2 mile run. I'm saying a blind guy. I'm thinking, how's this guy going to see? He's blind. And so I, when, I, when they shot the gun off and we jumped into the Long Island Sound, the blind guy blew right by me. And I saw the blind guy blew right by me. And, and then he finished up the one mile. I haven't seen him since. Because when you finish the, the mile, you jump on your bike. You pull off your, 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 your wetsuit and you jump on the bike. And so he, you, know, you have to go. We went around this track maybe like six times. I saw him when he must have been around around three times. I was around one time. And so he's riding in tandem with the guy who can see. And I'm thinking all he had to do was to trust the one who can see. So when you stay focused, it's not about you being able to see everything. It's about you trusting Jesus, the one who sees your trajectory, sees the race that God has marked out for you, the one who sees up ahead, the one who tells you turn left and you turn left, turn right and you turn right, stop and you stop. And so I want you to recognize how it's so important then that you stay focused this coming year. A lot of things come our way. Distractions come in two forms, internal and external. Internally, we can become distracted because of discouragement. And small, the small little voice inside of us tells us things or asks us questions. Shouldn't you be farther along right now in your career? How could you be at this place right now? Come on. And then you start looking at your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law or your cousin or some other person that you're around and you start looking at yourself in light of them. And you recognize, wait a second, they're so much farther along than I am. You must remember the first resolution. Run your own race. And so we get discouraged because of we're comparing ourselves. I love what Narcotics Anonymous says in their 12-step recovery program. Don't judge your inside by other people's outsides. 
And so often we're comparing ourselves. Now if we're going to applaud the Lord, let's applaud the Lord. Let's do it right. You have to not allow your interior to get all junked up with discouragement. And it's so easy to get discouraged. But you have to, you, you have to then say, Lord Jesus, I want to please you. And when you can't control anything else in your life, you can control this. I'm going to walk with the Lord even when I don't understand. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus because he's the pioneer and he's the perfecter of my faith. And so your interior should not be a distraction to you. And sometimes we're distracted not just by our interior, but by our exterior. We're focusing on other people. And we're focusing on, 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 and we're striving to attain their goals. And sometimes we abandon our own goals because we want to get at another goal that's easier to attain. And I'm saying, don't do that. Your dream is too precious. Don't throw away your confidence. You need to stay focused on what God's called you to do. What God's called you to become. God's doing a great work in you. Don't quit. You need to keep running. Why? Because he's given you the very key to help you become fulfilled as someone who is successful in the race of life. And so I want to encourage you today, stay focused. I love what the three-time gold Olympiad Florence Griffith Joyner once said, When anyone tells me I can't do anything, I'm just not listening anymore. See, sometimes we have to be able to say no to folks. Because there are going to be naysayers that you're going to meet in 2020. There are going to be pessimists that you're going to meet. And they're everywhere. You think you left them in one job, they're in another job. You think you left them in one apartment complex, they're in another apartment complex. You think you left them in one church, they're all over the place. Pessimists are everywhere. You have to insulate yourself by saying, I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to allow Jesus to direct me. I'm going to let Jesus help me to fulfill the goals and the dreams and the ambitions and the plans and the desires that he's put in my heart. And so 2020, my resolution is to run my own race and to stay focused as I'm running. I got to stay focused. And I want to bring you to my third resolution. And that is, don't quit. One of the easiest things to do in life, particularly in our culture, is to quit. It's almost sexy now, quitting. Your mind starts to play tricks on you as to rationalize all the reasons to support quitting. What's the big deal? Everybody quits at one thing or another. I mean, it's, it's, it, we, we want to quit. And quitting seems so attractive. Did you quit? Yeah, I quit. Did you quit? Yeah, I'm quitting. There's no, no shame, no sense of guilt, no, nothing. And I must confess, in that, I'm going back again to the 2005, the 2005 marathon in New York City marathon. I wanted to quit. Now, the Bible says there are a crowd of witnesses in verse 1. So sometimes you can't quit because the crowd is watching you. Now, before I got on, I started running in that race, the newspapers got a hold of the fact that I was in the race. I don't know how they got it, but they said, 
Dr. David Ireland from Christ Church is running in the New York City Marathon 2005. Then when you, and it was on Sunday. Then the New York City Marathon, they give you a chip that you put on your sneaker. And the chip, when you pass different junctures on this 26.2 miles, it sends an email to the people that you signed up that says, let them know where I am. Because they say, we're praying for you, pastor. So I sent, I put the email address for some of the pastors. And at that time, there was just the East Campus. And so we had like five services on Sundays. And so first service, Pastor Anthony Franklin got up and says, let's pray for Pastor David. He just passed the five-mile mark. Then the next service came in. <laughs> and let's pray for Pastor David. He just passed 10-mile mark. Now, here's the issue. At mile 13... They said over the intercom, ladies and gentlemen, we want to congratulate Paul Turgat of Kenya. He's just won the race. <laughs> now I was at mile 13. Now I'm, now I'm not trying to compete against this world-class runner, but, but, but I did feel bad. I'm just, I'm halfway. He's already finished having his coffee, and, <laughs> this, and, and I'm just halfway. Then around mile 17, something happened in my mind. I said, man, I can't do this. Now I'm in Brooklyn now. Because you're running through the five boroughs. So I said, I'm going to quit. I can't finish this thing. My feet are hurting. I don't need this. You know. <laughs> I mean, I've put my own money. I signed up my own money. I'm not, I don't need this. And my wife and two daughters, they're at the finish line in Central Park where the race ends. And so I'm thinking... How am I going to get back to New Jersey? Because I threw off all the heavy stuff. I didn't carry any cell phones. So I'm in Brooklyn. And so how am I going to get back to Jersey? And my family's in, is, is there in Manhattan. So I said, man, I know I'm going to figure out something. I'm going to have to hitchhike. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to quit. And I start thinking, man, the church, the next service is going on. No one's going to say, Pastor David's done. So now the whole church is going to know I'm a quitter. So, so now that's bothering me. I said, but they can get over that. They'll get over it. I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. <laughs> then, I, then I looked at the T-shirt. The it said of a guy in front of me, it says, I turned 65 today. And he blew right by me. And so I, I said, my God, this 65-year-old guy just blew right by me and he's not even sweating. So I said, I'm going to quit. And I said, well, the newspapers know. They're going to say, man, this guy quit. I said, well, I'll just be known as a quitter because it's tough. I'm going to quit. And when I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to quit? I'm rationalizing now. How can I quit and make it graceful? <laughs> and somehow, you know, just wordsmith this whole quitting thing to, so it looks like it's positive. You quit. High five, fist bump. Man, you did it. You, at least you did 17 miles. I say, yeah, man, I did 17 miles. <laughs> Something mama, I'm going to quit. So when I did that, I said, okay, I'm going to quit now. There are about a million people flanking the roads, the many clouds of witnesses. I looked on my left. There was this teenage girl in the crowd. She looked on me, 16, 17. She put her hands next to her mouth, and she said, Go on, son. You can do it, son. <laughs> now, this was back... Then in 2005, when teenagers had this phrase, this slang, son means like 
friend or guy, buddy, you can do it. So here, here I am now in my 40s, this 16-year-old saying, come on, son, you can do it, son. And so I'm looking around me and I see these international runners. You can tell by the way they look. You can tell by the T-shirts that they had, some of them celebrating their country. And then they're looking at me and I'm in my 40s and they're looking at this girl and they're not, they're not figuring out because they're from another country. They don't understand what son means. And they're saying, how could that old guy be that girl? That's guys, that girl's son. And so they're looking at me. And so I'm, I realize that they're stuck now in this mental conundrum. And so I start laughing at them because of this American slang that they can't figure out. And by the time I finish laughing, I finished running the race. Sometimes you got to be able to get distracted in a healthy sense. But I want you to see the scriptures telling us that we ought not to quit. And Jesus says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me give you a couple of reasons as to why you shouldn't quit. Quitters are not your role models. Jesus is. He did not allow himself to be derailed by sinful people. He did not allow fickle people to draw him into mediocrity or, or live a life devoid of goals. Don't set up for yourselves quitters as role models. Well, I just want to follow that brother. He's such a good quitter. I love the way he quits. He quits with such finesse and, and style. I, I just emulate him. That's not your role model. Your role model is Jesus. And so quitters are not your role model. Here's another reason why you shouldn't quit. The crowd is watching. The crowd of witnesses. My children were watching. My wife was watching. I, I, I had to finish. Even if I'm going to drag myself across the finish line. Did I win? No, I didn't win. But I didn't come last. Out of the 37,500 people, I didn't come last. So that, I wasn't competing with, with Paul Turgat of Kenya. When I got home, I looked up his name and what his regiment was. The guy was running 200 miles a week just to prepare. I was running 40 miles. I'm not getting close to that guy. He wasn't my you know, competitor. But I want you to see, you don't quit because the next generation's watching you. The individuals around you are watching you. Lost people are watching to see how you're going to walk with God during crisis. They're going to see how you're watching. They're watching how you're going to walk with God when everything's not going your way. When the boss gives you a hard time. When your money is not working out the way you thought. They're going to see how you're going to behave. Because that's going to help them understand whether or not they'll ever serve God because of how you carry yourself. You can't quit. And you know why you can't quit? Because it's your race. You can't quit your own race. It's like me saying I'm not going to my own birthday party. Are you going to the party? No, I'm not going to the party. Whose party is it? It's my party. Why aren't you going? I don't feel like it. See, your gifts confirm that you're in the right race. People's affirmation confirms that you're on the right path. Your measure of success confirms that you're in the will of God. The Holy Spirit confirms that what you're doing is God's assignment for your life. You can't quit. You know another reason why you can't quit? You find too much pleasure in doing what you're doing. 
There's a dream in your heart. There's a desire in your heart. And when you do what God's called you to do, you feel good about it. That's why you can't quit. You know why else you can't quit? Your assignment is not yet over. The world needs your gifts. The world needs your talents. The world needs your ideas. The world needs your abilities. You can't quit yet. The next generation needs you as a role model, as I mentioned. And so you can't quit. And so in case you're thinking about quitting, you better not quit. This year coming, make these three resolutions yours. Run your own race. Stay focused. And don't quit. Don't quit.